I am glad to see you this morning. Um, as, uh, as you know, if you've been here more than a couple of times, then you know that we teach that God is the sovereign creator. And as the sovereign creator, that means he's the designer and he gets the privilege of then of choosing what he wants to do with that design, how he wants to design us. He gets to do all of that as the designer, as our creator. Now, Scripture tells us that God gets to answer all these questions that we, that we ask as we are living here on this earth. And, he, and, and in doing so, as we go to Scripture, we find that Jesus describes the ultimate design that God has and how that impacts us. Um, because he is the designer. So we find from Jesus, we find descriptions like this. He calls us friend. He calls us a servant. Uh, he also calls us family. And some of those things kind of help us answer some of these questions that we have as we try to understand and figure out uh, what God has designed for us. That does help. But as we look at these descriptions that Jesus gives us, we have to then answer the question, is that me or is it not me? Is it me or is it not me? Is what Jesus is describing, does that actually describe me and the way I live and the way I see life or does it not? And that's where we got the name for this uh, series. Because as Jesus gives us some of these descriptions like friend, servant, family, um, then as he gives us those, then we have to go about asking the question, is that us? And so if I were to ask you to describe me, um, then you could only describe me from your experience with me, from your interactions with me. Now, would your description of me be accurate? Well, I mean, it would be accurate according to your experience with me. So yes, it, it would be accurate. It, now, it wouldn't be the whole story, but it would be your whole experience with me, which means every encounter that I have with you, it matters. In our small group the other night, we were talking about going to Walmart, and every encounter as we walk through that big store, every encounter we have with other people, it matters because that is, the, for some people, the whole of the experience they have with me. So every encounter matters. It's, it's that important. Now, because Jesus is either describing me or not, your description of me is a picture that you have of me. It's your experience with me, and it matters. Now, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning is coming from one of the most well-known um, uh, passages in the Bible. And in fact, we call it, as uh, Christ followers now, we have given it a name. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Now, scholars believe, uh, many of them believe that Jesus, this was kind of his go-to teaching, that he taught this same thing all over as he was traveling. Uh, and he would sometimes teach portions of it, and sometimes, perhaps like we see here in Matthew, he would teach the entire thing. 
And so it's a very famous uh, teaching of Jesus. And we're going to look at one specific part out of that teaching of Jesus. Now, he has gathered his disciples together, and we believe it's much more than just the 12 disciples. This is a large crowd of people who are interested in Jesus. It's a large crowd, and he's gathered them together. And here's the key verse that we're going to be looking at, and it's this. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, and these are the words of Jesus. He says, you are the light of the world. So he's looking around, he's saying, you, my followers, are the light of the world. Now, that's what we want to break down this morning, because if Jesus uh, is God, and he is, and if as the designer, if he is telling us something about his design, then we need to break that down, and we need to understand that. Now, not everybody who was gathered there that morning or day uh, was a follower of Jesus, But Jesus is clearly saying, of those of you who are my follower, then this is a description of you. This will describe you. He's saying, you are the genuine light of the world. Now, Jesus is speaking pretty emphatically, pretty dogmatically. He's saying, this is truth. If you are my follower, you are this, a light to the world. He's saying, this does describe you. And and I find it interesting. He's not saying you might become a light with lots and lots of extra work and trying really hard, you'll become a light. And he's not saying you will one day be a light someday in the future. If you keep following me and keep doing these things, then you will be a light. No, no, no. This is, this is him saying emphatically, if you're my follower, this is already happening. You are a light. Now, we're familiar with this. We have a children's song. Some of you know it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it, yeah, I don't know the rest because I have chronic lyricosis, <laughs> so you would have to help me out. But we have children's songs about it, but we don't pay a lot of attention really to this phrase. We don't give, especially from a children's song, we don't give it all that much importance. As I think about being a light and as I think about uh, influence, a lot of times my mind goes uh, goes to actors because for some reason they have a lot of influence. Actors, I mean, they're famous. They have a lot of influence. Um, as I think about actors, um, uh, for some reason, the ability, and I'm just saying this because I don't understand it, the ability to pretend to be somebody else and to cause other people to go through emotions like sadness and, and uh, excitement and fear, and, and, and they have the ability to to pretend to be somebody else and do that, then for some reason, because of that, along comes a lot of influence, and they have a lot of influence. So I, I, I think, yeah, there's, there's a pretty good light there. Um, and then I think, forgive me for this, I, 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 I think of athletes. And because somebody can throw a ball really far and accurately down the field. Now, sadly, kickers don't have that much influence, but 
they're still an important part. You either love them or you hate them. But the guy that can throw that ball, he's got a lot of influence. Um, I don't understand that. The guy that can run really fast has a lot of influence, and I don't really understand that. All I know about that is if we're on a hike and we're in the woods and we come upon a bear and I'm with that guy, I'm going to die because he's definitely going to run faster than me. And if I, I'll have to pull out a 22 or something and shoot him in the ankle I, I, to get past him. But, I, that's all, but for some reason, because he can do that, he has a lot of influence. And so when our mind goes to thinking about influence, we think about actors, we think about athletes, we, we might even think about political figures. Um, because they have an ability to help shape the laws and, and, and govern, and they can declare war, and they can, there's lots of influence there. But we need to understand, Jesus wasn't speaking to the actors or the athletes or the politicians. He wasn't even speaking to the religious leaders and teachers. I mean, we think about teachers today, and we think, well, they have some influence too. And, and we think about... Um, we think about writers and business icons, all of them. We think, we look and we say, they, they have influence. They, they can be a light and use that. But Jesus is not looking at them. He's not saying that they are the true light of the world. It, it, he's not looking at the, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Waltons, um, if you're really old, it's not the Walton family that I'm talking about. It's the Sam Walton family. And he's not talking about the Gates. He's not talking about the Zuckerbergs. He's not talking about um, that, that, uh, the Musks. Thank you. He's not talking about any of those. He's not talking about CNN or MSNBC. He's not talking about the Fox News Network. Jesus says that that responsibility of being a light, it falls at your feet if you're a follower of Jesus. The plain Jane, average Joe person that's following Jesus, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Now, that doesn't stop the world from thinking that it's the light. It doesn't stop the world from looking at followers of Jesus and scoffing. In fact, we're told that we can kind of expect that. Here, here's, what, um, here's what the disciple John says about that. He said, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. There we go again. He's calling a follower of his part of the family. He calls us his children, and that, that is what we are, he says. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because, he says, they don't know him. We sometimes feel slighted if somebody... Uh, if somebody kind of passes us by or looks down on us because we're a follower of Jesus. But the real rejection 
has nothing to do with us. The real rejection, John is saying, is they've rejected the Father. Of course they're going to reject you. They've rejected God. But as a follower of Jesus, according to Scripture, I've been adopted into the family of God through the blood of Jesus when I express that faith in him. And because of that, now Jesus says to me that I am a true light in this world. But sadly, so often, we hand that responsibility off to the world instead. We hand it off. But all the light in the world that sparkles and that shines, usually it's just shining on what we want here right now. That's what it shines on. That world's glittering light, we're told in Scripture, it's just temporary. It only highlights and spotlights and shines on human logic and human reason and human wisdom. That's all. What the world calls light, as we look in Scripture, is actually darkness. It's actually spiritual darkness that's being uh, passed off as or posing as light. We look at social media influencers. Um, I th- there's a guy in Arkansas, someone correct me, it, is it the Mighty Rib, the Mighty something? He's a food guy, obviously. That's the one I follow. And uh, this last week, he, he finally got to 50,000 followers. And he was like, finally, it only took 12 years, <laughs> which is a long time uh, if you're going to be an influencer. But yet he's got 50,000 followers. I mean, there's some influence there. And then I look at other influencers, and I see that they've got 100,000 followers. They've got hundreds of thousands of followers and some millions of followers. And I look at that, and I say, now, there is somebody with influence. There is somebody that could use the light and make a difference. They have some influence. I don't have that kind of influence. Listen to what one author wrote. I want to read this to you. He said, the Christian who is belittled and scorned can give more light about the things that matter most than all the world's big shots put together. So, if we are called to be the true light of the world, we have to ask this question. Is that describing me? Or is it not describing me? So this morning, we just want to simply ask, as I lose my balance here, we want to ask, are, how are you doing at being the light? But before we can really give a great answer, I think first we need to break that down a little more and understand what is Jesus talking about when he says we are the light of the world. Right off the bat, I want to say I really believe that Jesus is referring to himself because we find in Scripture that Jesus is the light. 
So even when he looks at me and you and he says, you are the light, he's not really talking about you. It's about him, okay? So even this is not about me. It's about him. And Jesus refers to himself frequently in Scripture, in the New Covenant, as the light. Let me give you a couple of examples. We taught on this one uh, earlier this year, John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, um, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So Jesus is saying, I am that light. And then Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians, he describes it like this, Ephesians 5.8. For once you were full, and he's speaking to followers, once you were full of darkness, and this is Paul talking, you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So in other words, you were dark, now you have the light, and because you have the light, some difference, some change is taking place inside your life. And as other people look at you, they can see that. And then Paul says, so because of that, because of that light, so live as people of light. But we have to remember the source of that light. It's not me. It's not you. It's not even this church. Jesus is the source. He is the light. We just simply walk day by day, hour by hour, in his light, shining his light. And honestly, I think, I think you're pretty good at that. I mean, I am, I am encouraged by you. I, I, I am so proud to be a part of this church. I, I think that you are doing pretty good, and we are doing pretty good at shining that light. And I have to say, though, we don't do it perfectly. It's even in the name of our church, right? It's up there on that sign. We don't do it perfectly. But I do believe this. I believe that we are beginning to get this right. As we are focusing on shining that light, we're learning to love people. We're, we're learning to serve people. We're, we're, we're giving sacrificially. We give of our time. We give of our money. We give of our energy. And none of that is to serve ourselves. None of it is to serve ourselves. It's because of who we're serving. That's why. And Jesus goes on now. So let's go back to this example. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Matthew 14, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's how he goes on to describe you if you're a follower of his. In other words, we can't contain this. We can't stop this. By his design, the light shining through the life of a follower of Jesus, it is obvious, Jesus is saying. This church, and there are many others like us in Malvern, and I'm so, so pleased that we get to partner with them. This church and many others like us in Malvern, in 2023, Jesus has called us all to be lights. And so for people in Malvern, 
when somebody's coming close to their edge and they are not connected to Jesus, when they begin to sense that this is the last straw in their life, when they have nowhere else to turn, we are the light of the world. And in that, we draw them toward Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. We're the light that draws people in, and, and we point them to Jesus. For the students in your schools, you're the light of the world. When you have friends that have nowhere else to turn, when you have friends that are experiencing burdens beyond their ability to control, beyond their ability to adapt, beyond their ability to change, you are the light of that world. Before they get close to the edge, you're the light of the world. For that young couple who discovers that um, they're going to have their first child, before the stress of of uh, worry, of being a parent hits them, we were the light of the world. We're the light that points them to Jesus. And Jesus says, naturally, this is true. This just happens for followers of Jesus. He goes on he, in verse 15 now. He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. I know that's part of the song although I think we call it a bushel, right? This will lie to mine, I, 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 you know, but it's a basket. That's what a bushel is. He says it's just natural. Now, I'll be frank with you. If you are the kind of follower of Jesus that is more comfortable taking your light and placing it under a basket, I'm going to be honest with you, You're not going to be happy in this church. You won't be happy here. You know, in the first century, I I find this interesting. They didn't have flashlights, obviously. Didn't have electricity. Their one source for light in the darkness was an open flame. That's all they had. Just an open flame. And it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, If you're a follower of mine, you have a light, an open flame, and uh, if you're trying to hide that open flame under a basket, you're going to burn your house down. It's going to start with a basket fire. Jesus is saying our calling to follow him is way too important. We cannot choose, instead of following Jesus the way he wants us to follow him, we cannot afford to choose to pursue our own dim interests instead. We can't worry about protecting our interest in what we want to see happen in our lives and in our future. He says we can't afford that because our calling is far too important, far too important, because we are the true light of the world. Somebody might say, well, okay, Harley, I I get you, but I I just kind of keep my light between me and God. 
I just kind of, that's, that's just a personal thing between me and God. But apparently, according to the New Covenant, a, a private faith is no faith at all. Just think with me for a moment. If I can successfully take that light and continually hide that light, I have to wonder if I actually have the light. Now, don't don't mistake, because our faith is not a perfect faith. But Jesus did call us. He didn't even call you to that perfect faith because he knows that. But he did call us to a public faith. And so Jesus says, he goes on to say, this lamp, it's like a a city on a hill. He says, a, a lamp is placed on a stand. He said, it's obvious. He's saying, this is not a secret light. Jesus said, if you are my followers, you are the light of the world. So let's come back to the title of the series, Does This Describe You? We have to ask the question, is that me or is it not me? Any follower of Jesus that doesn't look like what Jesus is describing. That means they're fighting against their very nature, this new nature. And the way Jesus is describing this, he's describing like, if we're doing that, that it's, that it's, that it's utter foolishness to take a light and then place it under something to hide it. He said, that makes no sense. Hiding your connection with God. Jesus is saying, that is actually ridiculous. Because if it's to be placed on a lampstand for the world to see, that's the goal. And he says it's there, and Jesus goes on, and he says, where it gives light to everyone in the house. This light shines for everyone to see their way to Jesus. Even shining in in dark and dangerous places. Because if that's the place where God has you, then that's exactly where light is desperately needed. So here's my question. Jacob's going to put this on the screen for us. The question is this, where are you? Where does God have you placed? So let's think about this for a moment. Are you you tired of your neighborhood? I mean, is your neighborhood going downhill? Are you tired of it? Then I think Jesus would say to us, okay, you Be the light right there. Be the light right there. Have you shined all the light that there is to shine in your neighborhood yet? 
And if not, then maybe you need to hang around a little while longer. Don't move. Maybe you need to stay right there and be the light in that neighborhood. Are you? Are you tired of Malcolm? <laughs> are you? Okay. That's where God has you. Then maybe you need to be the light right there. Right where Jesus has you right now. Maybe you need to be the light there. How about your family? Can't leave your family. I mean, you can try. <laughs> you can try. They're going to come get you. They, someone's going to come. You, so let me ask. Does your family frustrate you? Um, goodness. The stories I could tell about my family. Have you exhausted being the light in your very own family? And there's, there's a possibility that you might answer that question, no, I have not. And I promise you, that's the answer for the question for me too. I have not yet. So let's be the light in our family, the true light. Let's go do what Jesus has asked us to do and be what he's asked us to be right where he has us, right where he's planted us. We're the true light of the world if you're following Jesus because you have the true light of the world. Students, are you tired of your classes? I knew you were, Olivia. I knew you were. Are you tired? Bella, you ready to get out of school? Emma, you ready? You all ready? Allie, you're all ready, right? Yeah, I understand. I understand. Someday you will be. I know it doesn't feel like it, Nathan. You're off this week, though. I know, I know. But, hey, listen, being at home school, they could just keep you longer. They could keep you for life. They could, yeah, there you go. There you go. They could keep you forever. But one day, one day you will be done with this part of school. But while you're there, got to take care of business. But while you're there, your first calling, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to be the light. Now, I know a good light's going to also be a good student, too, right? But you're to be a light for the people in your school and for your teachers. Olivia, your teachers still need you. Your, your teachers, for the other students, your homeschooled, be nice to your other classmates, Nathan. 
right? Yeah. Your sister said yes. While you're there, he says, be the light of the world. Okay, let's let's talk about this. Are you tired of your job? Oh, goodness. Tired of your job. Ian, Ian, your work associates that are in the same office as you, I know they drive you nuts. (laughs) But you talk to people online all day long. Are you tired of your job? Well, right now, that's where you are. That's where you are. And if your job is online, then you're talking to people all over the country. If it's here, you're talking to people all over from here. And while we are placed right there in that job, be the light of the world. Let's go back to the beginning of this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are not the light of your world. You're the light of the world around you, right where God has you. Does that world around you clearly know about his loving life-changing light because of you. Please don't save your light up for our Sunday worship gathering. Because the light is doing exactly what God has designed when your light shows up at the shop on Monday. And it shows up at school on Tuesday of next week. And it shows up um, it shows up at the store on Wednesday, and it shows up in the ball fields on Thursday, and it shows up in the deer woods on Friday. It shows up at Dollar General on Saturday. Now, remember that subtle war- warning that John gave us. He said, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. And so what we're proposing might be for you, might be uncomfortable, and it could be at certain times dangerous because some people are not just in the darkness. Some people are actually committed to the dark person. They're committed to staying in the darkness. They're committed to hating the light. Now, with those people, this is not going to win you any popularity contest. But here's what Jesus, knowing that, goes on to say in verse 16, in the same way, talking about the light, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. This is so interesting to me because apparently light for the follower of Jesus looks a whole lot like Loving deeds. Jesus didn't say, let the world know how angry you are with everyone in it. 
He didn't say, let the world know how disgusted you are by their choices. He didn't say, let the world know how much you hate that lifestyle. Jesus said, you should be full of good deeds. Light looks a whole lot like good deeds. And I think we could say sacrificial good deeds are the lights that are exposing what is actually in the darkness because light exposes the darkness. Light makes things that are hidden seen. It makes things that are invisible visible. And so our light, our loving good deeds, which is actually the light of our Savior, our light, our loving good deeds, makes the character of God seen by other people. It makes the love of Jesus visible because it's reflected in every way that you interact with someone else. Which, if you're truly following Jesus, then you are becoming more and more and more like Jesus, interacting with other people more and more like Jesus interacted with other people. And all of this is not to show the world how good you are. Because this is sacrificial, which means it has nothing for us, nothing in return for us. And Jesus goes on, here's why we do it, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And that's the end result. Our light, which is those good deeds, bring glory only to God, not to us. You see, in my life, I was in the dark. There was a very specific time I was in the dark, and the New Testament described exactly what was going in my life. I was not just in the dark. I was filled with darkness. But once I stepped into the light, his light, the light of Jesus, once I began to follow him, I didn't make a decision that said, okay, now I've got to clean up my life and get it all better. Now I've got to get it all right. Now I've got to toe the line. Now I've got, no, 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 no. I didn't grab the steering wheel of my life and say, okay, now I've got to make some changes. No, when I took my dark life and stepped into his light, he grabbed the wheel and God began to make changes in me. I didn't act better. Jesus and Jesus alone changed me forever. And praise God that he did. It's astounding to me to think that this ragtag group of common, ordinary disciples could ever influence the entire world. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew how he was going to do this. This was his plan. This was his design. This was his plan to change the entire world after he completed his sacrifice for the entire world. And in this well-known sermon that we've just talked about this morning, one piece of it, on a hillside on that day, Jesus was calling into reality. He was preaching and predicting the future of these men and women. This would be 
how he was going to change the world and tell the world about himself. This is how the world is going to find out about me. This was his plan. Think about it. Jesus looked at these average, not so special people, and he saw the potential of a life totally, fully surrendered to him. And he says to you and to me right now the very same thing. You are the light of the world. And I hope this morning that you feel both the motivation and additionally you feel the obligation of this charge because every single follower of Jesus has that same call and that same responsibility placed squarely upon their lives. And I hope you feel compelled to leave this room. This is not the church. This is a building. You are the church. And I hope you feel compelled to leave this room with the attitude that says, I have a light that has been placed in my life by him, and I have a light to shine his light to shine. You are the light of the world. And as you leave here, when you help somebody out, when you lift somebody up, when you share their load, when you help carry their burdens, may they not see your hands, but may they see the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. And our question is this as we end, is this me or is it not me? Because that, that is the question. Let's pray. God, I am thankful for your call and your challenge. I'm thankful for your description. You describe a follower of yours as the light in this world. And I pray, I pray that we will move beyond our childhood thoughts of being a light. And I pray that that burning open flame will point world, wherever you have us placed in the world, will point that world to Jesus. And Jesus, it's in the name, your name, the name we pray. Amen.